0: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
1: Welcome to Season 7, Episode 150 of the North American Outdoors Podcast. My name is Heidi Rayo, and I'm coming to you from the great state of Texas. Depending on where you live, deer season might mean something a little bit different to everyone. If you are in the Midwest, sometimes deer season may only run just a very short time. Or when I was growing up, I remember hunting in the Midwest. It was actually over two weekends, so we pretty much had seven days of a deer season. If you venture down south into states like Texas, your deer season may start as early as October if you are an archery hunter, and you may even go all the way through the end of February if you're lucky enough to hunt on someone's property that is managing their deer and have special tags from the state's biologist to be able to harvest those extra deer to help thin out the population. So depending on what your prime time for deer hunting is, always keep an open eye of other opportunities if you just don't want to let it go until next year. Be willing to travel, be flexible, and do your research. Go online and go to other states websites. And make sure that you're finding a reputable website going directly to the source, directly to that state's agency or that conservation organization to find out what those laws are. Find out how much it might cost you if you choose to take a road trip and want to purchase an out-of-state license. Find out what the requirements are and what you need to do in preparing your Adventure, making sure you have the right documents, resources, and anything else that particular state or area may require you to have on your person while you're hunting. Chances are, if you've already been hunting for a while, you have probably established where the deer are feeding, the game trails, how they're moving, their different habits, and where they're bedding down. You may have set up your blind in an area that is prime location for catching them moving down trails to and from the feeding areas to the bedding areas to a source of water. But this all changes when you go on a late season deer hunt. What that means is it can be pretty difficult. So if you've not had the opportunity to ever have the to have the chance to go on a late season hunt, whether it's by invitation or a standby or if you get drawn for a hunt, be prepared to be challenged. In Texas, we have drawing opportunities. There is a booklet, or it used to be a booklet, but now everything is online. But there is a very large list of areas that are usually state-owned lands or partnership lands that allow opportunities to be drawn during season to be able to go and hunt. So you can peruse through this list um, before the actual application deadlines are. Usually you have, you know, eight weeks or so to to take a look at the different areas. And you can decide if you want to go on a management hunt, meaning the area may be too overcrowded with um, spikes or does. And they want um, hunters to come out and help thin the herd for a better population, a healthier population. You may get to apply for exotic hunts, and here in Texas, what's an exotic is something that's not native to Texas. So we have axis deer, fallow, syca, all kinds of different um, opportunities where you can put in your name and hope to be drawn and helping thin the population of some of these exotic animals, which can be a detriment to the native populations. So there's other opportunities as well, such as alligator hunts. You might draw for turkey hunts, or dove, or quail, or big game. It costs just a couple dollars for your application, and then you sit back and wait and find out if you were a lucky winner to be drawn for one of these properties that you've put your application in for. So every year, my husband and I put in all across the state We go from local to a 13-hour drive across the land to try to get an opportunity to go on different hunts. Well, this year, we were actually drawn for a late-season deer hunt. And the really cool thing about this hunt was, number one, it was the first time in my entire 25-plus-year career And my husband's 28 now that he's retired, but he has been putting in for that many years. And this is the very first time that we were drawn together to go on a trophy deer hunt. So it was pretty cool just to say that we did that. But we started to prepare ourselves because we were headed to South Texas during the late season. So we were already planning on being challenged, difficult, and maybe even frustrated with the opportunities that were going to present itself just because it was late season. And usually at the end of the season, deer and other wildlife and game animals, they're usually, you know, hunted and pressured hard throughout the season. So by the time late season rolls around, they're pretty smart and they usually turn nocturnal so they can outwit the hunter and usually make it until the next year so this is especially true in southern states when deer season is still happening late season deer hunting is challenging because these deer have been hunted all season long all their patterns of migration or to and from their bedding and feeding areas they've been disturbed and the woods waters and fields are full of all of our human scents. Oftentimes, deer do turn nocturnal when the pressures get too intense. The other benefit that deer love is when it's a full moon to make their nocturnal feedings a little bit brighter. There are things that you can do to help fill your tag during this time of year. You must take advantage when deer, especially large trophy bucks, drop their guard and make a mistake. That doesn't mean that they are going to just throw caution to the wind and prance around in a meadow, presenting the best broadside shot for you to take, but this means the odds are still in their favor, but you can sure take advantage of any mistakes made by late season wary deer. Oftentimes, late season deer avoid hunting blinds that they've once ignored at the beginning of the season. When a hunter sets up his area, he usually is hunting out of either a ground blind or climbs up into a tree stand or an elevated blind. You'll know when the deer no longer trust a blind, when large deer are not seen, and the does are stomping their feet and barking and snorting at the structure. The trick is to hide a pop-up blind in a new area. The key word is to hide. The blind must be brushed in, covered, and concealed with the surrounding brush. You can also build a ground blind. This is where you find a natural structure such as a fallen tree, a depression in the ground, or any other obstacle. Then you brush yourself in around it. Do not remove too much of the ground cover and brush from the area you're hunting because you still want it to look natural. You don't want to remove natural material to give you a clear shot. Deer are really smart, and they know their habitat. They know if something has been disturbed. They know if things don't look right, and they definitely know when somebody else is in their territory, because we as humans, we put off a lot of scent, and their sense of smell is a heck of a lot better than ours. So you want to search for areas with a lot of deer sign. You want to look for tracks, scrapes, and rubs, and that would be a good indication that deer are using the area. Be on the lookout for any bedding and feeding areas to set up your blind on, and look for those game trails that wildlife are using to move about the area. The idea is to insert yourself and intersect the areas where the deer are frequenting this can be a little bit a little bit of a challenge because if you are getting drawn on a hunt or going to a new place for the first time you need to be a little tech savvy and do some research before you go So for example, this location that we were drawn for this year, um, I was able to pull up Google Maps and search to the terrain mode and look around the area that I knew that we were going to be placed in and search around for the dense cover I was able to search on the Google map for roads or senderas, and also where there's water. So before we even got to this area that we've never been to on foot, um, we at least had a really good idea of what the terrain was going to look like because we already had it pulled up in Google Maps. So having an idea ahead of time is going to cut down on the time you're going to be searching and stomping around the hunting ground and limiting your time in the blind.
0: You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah!
1: Talk to the people that are running the hunt, that are managing the hunt, and find out where other hunters have been set up. Find out if they were successful or see if they have any stories to share that you can take advantage of to make your hunt even better. If you know of an area where hunters have been, move to a new area. There's a greater chance of taking advantage of a mistake made by the deer and not expecting another hunter to be in a different location. When the deer changes its routine to counter the increased hunting pressure, it is more likely to make a wrong move or not even notice the new awaiting hunter. But the importance there is to make sure that you are brushed in and totally camouflaged in this new area that you set yourself up in to hopefully meet a deer along its path. Another tip is to always carry camouflage mesh with you in your hunting pack. The use of camouflage mesh can help mask you in your blind. This can trick a cautious deer into the opening and away from the security of the brush line. Camouflage mesh allows the hunter to see through to the outside while preventing the deer from seeing in. It gives the illusion that the blind is closed without a hunter inside. Hunting blinds either have cutouts for the windows or hinged covers that are open to shoot through. The camouflage mesh makes it look as if the window covers are closed. Blinds that only have cutouts for shooting through are easy for deer to see the silhouette of the hunter sitting inside. The camouflage mesh solves this problem. I was once on a youth hunt and they said that they already had blinds out in the field we did not have to bring any of our own to set up. So when we went to our designated location, all it was pretty much was the boxed blind, a bench to sit on, and four windows that looked all the way around the blind. That's great because you had a good 360 view, but it's not so great when you want to try to camouflage yourself and it makes it virtually impossible when deer can see right through you that was a great learning experience because that was the first time I had ever been on a hunt that had a designated blind for us to sit in that was wide open like that. So fortunately another hunter had extra camo netting that they loaned to us and when we went back to our blind to get ready for our afternoon hunt talk about a game changer. I had push pins because they loaned me push pins too and i was able to push pin the camo netting around the back side of the blind so our silhouettes were completely concealed and camouflaged so you couldn't see all the way through the blind from the outside looking in so from that day forward i always always carry a huge bundle roll of lightweight camouflage netting and a little medicine bottle filled with push pins in my hunting pack, and I've always had the opportunity to use that camo netting to help in my concealment. I will always use camo netting regardless if it's early on in the season or late season hunting. Another great tool to keep with you on all of your hunts are shooting sticks. Shooting sticks are especially essential for taking late season deer. Deer during the late season are usually jumpy and skittish and usually don't stick around very long. Shooting sticks help stabilize the rifle and allows for quicker target acquisition. Faster sight picture and sight alignment means a faster and more accurate shot. Hunters who are accustomed to shooting out of a blind usually rest their rifle on the windowsill or on the cutout of the blind. Late season deer will normally see the rifle barrel ease out of the window and before you realize they are flipped and gone and waving that white flag at you within an instant. A shooting stick allows a hunter to move further back into the blind while keeping both the hunter and the majority of the rifle barrel inside the blind. Shooting sticks are very helpful in taking longer shots. This is important because late season deer usually keep a little bit further away from feeders, blinds, or any other structure. To a deer, distance means safety. Shooting sticks help the hunter take advantage of the deer making the mistake of showing itself from a distance. Late season deer hunting usually means longer hours in the blind. The longer a hunter sits in the blind, the more likely it is that he or she will get a shot at a deer. During the latter part of season, deer change their movement patterns, usually pretty significantly. You are more likely to see a deer during the midday hours in late season than you are in early season. That said, it is crucial that you have a comfortable chair. This sounds simplistic, but many hunters do not think about it until they are about two hours into their hunt and they are shifting around in an uncomfortable and possibly squeaky chair. A comfortable chair keeps you in it. If you are not comfortable during the long hours it takes to connect with the late season deer, you will make unnecessary movements and lots of noise. If you have been hunting for any length of time, you have probably sat on an old rusty folding chair that's usually tucked away throughout the year in a blind, especially if it's a permanent blind or a permanent structure. I have been in very expensive hunting blinds that have had the worst chairs to sit in. There is no reason not to be comfortable and have a comfy chair. There are several manufacturers of collapsible and portable blind chairs that are extremely comfortable. When you're able to finally get yourself to a location that you know you're going to be hunting the next morning, you want to arrive at least three hours before legal shooting hours. The reason that we do that is because we want to make sure any movement, noise, disturbance, all of that happens really early And then you have time to get to your location, whether you have to park and hide or tuck in your vehicle and walk a distance to your hunting location or your hunting blind. You are usually carrying your firearm in a case to keep it protected and the scope not bumped. You usually have a big old backpack or hunting pack on you so you have all the comforts that you need for the day in the blind. You probably have a lunch kit that has breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, all the goodies. So the things that you're carrying are probably going to be bulky and kind of noisy. So you want to give yourself ample time to make all that noise and try to keep it to a minimum, but make the noise that you need to to get to your hunting location and into your hunting blind. Once you get to your blind, you want to uncase your rifle and make sure the rifle case is tucked away out of sight or camouflaged under a brush. You want to make sure that you have everything you need, including your eye protection, ear protection, open up any crinkly bag snacks, and open up your water bottle and put on those binoculars around your neck and pull out your rangefinder and now's the time that you can probably take your little nap before sunup happens. But you want to make sure that you are very still and very quiet within plenty of time before legal shooting hours comes. So once you get to your location and do all of that, my mindset is it took me all year to get to where I'm at right now whether I have been applying all over the state to be hopeful and be drawn for one of these hunts, or whether I paid a buttload of money to go on a guided hunt or to pay a lease somewhere to have permission to be on somebody's property to hunt, regardless of how I got here, it took me a while to do it. So when I get into that blind well before sunup, I'm stuck there by choice until the sun goes down and legal shooting hours end. I don't ever get out of the blind unless I have to for a very slight brief moment, but I don't ever get out of my blind or leave property or drive around or walk around. I do everything I can to keep in my blind because your chances are going to be greater if you stay put, have everything you need right there with you at your disposal, and Try to stay as quiet as you possibly can. Those are things that are going to increase your chances of seeing deer coming out. Because if you're there, if you're part of the nature and part of the the brush and you're quiet, they have no reason to be alarmed and they're going to go about their daily routine, hopefully, and come out of their bedding areas and move around feeding, drinking, and walking up and down those game trails. So take that extra time to think outside the box to have your successful late season hunt. If you are well-placed, well-camouflaged, and most importantly, comfortable, as you're sitting in that deer blind for 12 to 14 hours, it hopefully will all pay off in the end. There is no better classroom than the outdoors, roaming the woods and waters, and making memories that will last a lifetime. This is Heidi Rayo, and you have heard another North American Outdoors podcast. For more information, visit northamericanoutdoors.org and follow me on Instagram at North American Outdoors. Have a great day.